Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. It must be one of the most bold-faced lies ever recorded in the scriptures. Jesus has just rattled off enigmatic parable after enigmatic parable about the kingdom of God to his disciples. And then he turns to them and asks, have you understood all of this? And they look at him straight in the face and just say, yes. Now, I have been a teacher, and I am a parent and a human being. And so I think I can hear and see this yes in my mind. Yes. Good job. <laughs> it's the sort of yes that has a lot of bluster to it, but doesn't really have any more confidence than what you can falsely manufacture. It's the sort of yes that actually means something more than just no. It's not that they just don't understand. It's that they're beginning to despair of ever understanding. They're exhausted and exasperated and frustrated by all of this. It's the sort of yes that you say when you want your questioner to just give it a rest. The sort of yes that you give when you're really hoping that none of this will be on the test. And how can we really blame them? In the last couple of weeks, Jesus has told us that the kingdom of God is like one type of seed, seed sown on different types of soil. And then the kingdom of God is like different types of seed sown in one type of soil. And then today the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is not the smallest of all seeds and does not grow into the greatest of all shrubs. But Jesus was not a botanist, so we can cut in some slack. However, what gets me about it is the shrub part. If he really wanted to inspire us, he should have talked about acorns and mighty oaks. I've seen a lot of lovely shrubs. I can't say I've ever been inspired by a shrub. And I can't imagine that a mustard shrub would be the one to do it. But Jesus goes on from there. Now the kingdom of God is like yeast in dough. I suppose that's sort of like a seed being planted. But oh wait, the kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in a field. Well, it's buried in a field like the seed, so there's still some connection. But oh wait, the kingdom of God is like a pearl of great price that the merchant finds and he sells all he has so he can get it. Here we're back to the shrub problem. Because not only does that make no economic sense, if you sell all you have for this one pearl, what do you expect to really get in return? But there are diamonds and jewels and gold, so many things that I would find more enchanting than a pearl. I mean, a pearl is nice, but it's not a diamond. But he sells all he has for this pearl. And it must be pearl diving that makes Jesus think of the sea, because now the kingdom of God is not like a seed at all. It's like fish that have been pulled in a net to be sorted out like the wheat and the weeds at the end of the age. And he turns to them and says, you got it? And they look back and say, yeah, sure, we got it. But of course they don't got it. Of course they don't understand. Because they demonstrate that for the rest of the story that they don't understand. But also because they can't understand. 
Because the kingdom of God is not something that is understandable, at least not in how we normally use those words. The kingdom of God is not something that can be conveyed with just facts and information. This is why Jesus speaks about it in images and metaphors and parables. Because as inefficient and confusing and frustrating as they may be, they're still the best way of getting some of the point across. The kingdom of God is something that we must sense and know deep within us, somewhere deeper than reason and understanding. Somewhere where the Spirit of God whispers things too deep for words to our spirit. And our response can't be just a simple, yes, we got it. Our response can only be those sighs too deep for words that even we don't understand, but which are intelligible to the Spirit. It is indeed like that enchanting pearl that the merchant, against all reason and understanding, knows that he needs. He knows that it's worth more to him than anything and everything else, even though that doesn't make any sense to anyone else. It doesn't make any sense to him because he knows it at a level deeper than reason and sense and understanding. He knows it at the level of love. Love is not just a sentiment or an emotion or feeling or even a set of actions. Those things are all symptoms of love. Love is a way of knowing, a way of knowing that is broader and deeper and wider than reason or understanding. It doesn't defy reason or understanding. It doesn't object to reason or understanding. But when love is full and good, reason and understanding rightly and gladly yield to love as the superior way of knowing. And we all sort of know this instinctively. We know it from those simple, rudimentary forms of love, those low forms of love that we like to dismiss and denigrate, and yet, even though they're very simple, they still point us deeper into this reality. And because they're simple, they can show us that we all really do know what it means to know something by love. Who among us hasn't known by love that the extra helping was indeed in our best interest? even though reason and understanding told us something very different. And who among us hasn't known by love that our only true happiness was to be found in the arms of the one that our teenage affections had landed on, even though that didn't make sense to anyone? Now, the next day's indigestion and the next week's heartbreak reminds us that reason and understanding do still have important things to say things we should listen to, especially as our love remains broken and underdeveloped as it is. But even in those fleeting forms, love points us ever deeper into this reality. Until we're all the way in. <clears throat> to the deepest part of it, which is the love of God which is the kingdom of God. 
And from the love of God, we can look back and see that all that indigestion and all that adolescent heartbreak and all the many, many worse things that we have to go through in our lives, all the tragedies of our lives, from that point in the midst of the love of God, we can look back and see that all those things did indeed work together for our good because they brought us deeper into the love of God. We can't see that from out here. We shouldn't try, but we can know by love that once we're there in the kingdom, we'll be able to look back here and see that all the bad seeds and all the bad soil and all the bad fish and of all of our trust put in the most ridiculously small of seeds and everything we've forgotten or forsaken for hidden treasures and pearls of great price, that all those things were no obstacle between us and the love of God, between us and the kingdom of God. In fact, from there we'll be able to see that there is no obstacle between us and the love of God. Not hardship or distress or peril or nakedness or famine or sword. Those things cannot keep us from the love of Christ. In fact, far from being impediments to the love of Christ, they on the cross were its greatest vehicles. And life and death and angels and rulers and powers and height and depth and things present and things to come and all things in all creation that we might have to endure, we can endure knowing by love that they cannot separate us from the love of God. That if God, who is love, and who loves us, and who created us to freely love Him, if that God is for us, then who or what can possibly be against us? If that God gave His own Son for us, what else would He not give for us? That we, in all those things, will be more than conquerors. From the midst of the love of God in that day, we will be able to look back and see that all those things were as easily brushed away as a spot of indigestion or an hour of teenage disappointment a slight momentary affliction not worth comparing to the glory that God is preparing for us. We were created by and for that love and in Christ that love will most definitely win. Now do we understand all this? No. And there's no point in pretending that we understand all this. Because we know it by love. Which is just another way of saying we trust it, we have faith in it by grace. And that is far better and far more than enough. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.